Welcome to the Black Psychologist Podcast, where we have conversations and give insight into human behavior and promote mental health wellness. I'm Dr. Kyle Osborne, and with my co-host, Dr. Jason Coleman, we'll discuss health topics, everyday life issues, and try to give you a better understanding of yourself, other people, and the world around you. So just sit back, relax, and hopefully you'll leave with some information that'll have you live in your best, healthy life. Thanks for listening and enjoy the podcast. And welcome back to the Black Psychologist Podcast. Appreciate everybody coming in and listening to us. We're on episode four, so we continue to appreciate all the love and support. You could be anywhere in the world, but you're here listening and watching us. So we definitely appreciate that. I am one of your hosts, Dr. Kyle Osborne, your clinician and psychologist. And of course, I'm not here by myself. I'm here with my guy, my co-host. He's a gentleman and a scholar. Dr. Jason Cole, how are you, sir? I'm good. I'm good. How you doing today, bro? Hanging in, man. You know it's March, so here we are. Right. You know we're making our yeah, way just, through it. Again, you know I want to, um, you know, just thank everybody who's tuned in, um, who's taking the time to listen. You know we're really appreciative of that. Um, and just to remind everybody um, to subscribe and uh, you know hit the like button and please you know leave a comment. You know, good or bad, they all count. Absolutely. Absolutely. We definitely appreciate that. So before we get into our um, our topics of discussion for today, it is March. So uh, we want to give a special acknowledgement and a shout out to all the women because it is National Women's History Month. So right. all the women in the world, we definitely appreciate you. You are the reason why we're here. OK, you know, you are the mothers, you are the aunts, you are the sisters, you are you are everything to us. So we definitely, you know, even though it's every month is Women's Month, uh, but this month in particular, we're going to highlight that. So uh, so happy National Women's History Month to all the women out there. Um, and in addition to National uh, Women's History Month, it's also National Social Work uh, month. So I've had the pleasure um, of being able to work with some really great social workers in a lot of my different, um, either whether it be practicum experience or at work, or even right now I'm working with um, with decent social workers. And so, you know, social workers don't get a lot of credit and they don't get enough credit uh, for the work that they do. They do a lot of the coordination as far as aftercare for their clients and getting them set up for housing and and everything else and just kind of coordinating um, treatment team meetings and so on and so forth. So um, I just definitely wanted to give a special acknowledgement for all the social workers out there that work in hospitals, private sectors, public sectors, different organizations. Uh, I appreciate um, everything that you guys do. So um Hope you guys enjoying your month. I hope the hospitals or your places of business are celebrating you mm -hmm. appropriately and showing you your justice due because uh, you guys do a lot more than what people see. So definitely happy uh, National Social Work Month to all the social workers. That's a fact. Um, just to kind of double back for a minute, I definitely got to give a shout out to um, all, the, all of the um, women, you know, have influenced me, pushed me. But specifically, obviously, you know, I got to give Mama Coleman a, a shout out because without, you know, pushing me, setting that example, I definitely wouldn't have, um, you know, achieved, you know, the level of education that I have. Um, and, and I would have gave up if we're being honest, if it wasn't for, for her um, and for the other strong women that I've ha had in my life. And I got seven aunts. So um, that's a fact. So definitely want to give them that credit. and. Um, you know, just recognize all of the uh, women in general who have, you know, paved the way in terms of this country, um, you know, um, and done great things. And on a, in terms of the social workers, we definitely want to recognize the, the social work team, you know, us working in hospital settings, you know, they're definitely integral. Um, and a lot of things wouldn't move forward without them. So, you know, we can get into it, but just, you know, wanted to make that point. Absolutely. Yeah. Shout out to Mama Coleman. All right. For giving birth to this guy right here across the screen. <laughs> Doing good work on that. Um, and also speaking to ladies, uh, we're also going to give a shout out to our uh, our tech specialists and consults, um, our consultants, um, your niece. J. 
Jason oh, has definitely been so been hooking us up, man. You know, and, and um, daughter as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yo, you're funny because she was just calling as you were talking. She was calling and FaceTiming. So, you know, I know she's gonna hit me with a you hate me text and stuff, uh, because I ain't pick up. <laughs> <laughs> but absolutely, we want to uh definitely give a shout out to your niece and my daughter for helping us um with the tech aspect of the world. You know, we're young, but uh, you know, these kids are something different, you know. Uh they, right. they know all the ins and outs, so they've been helping us with the um with the the tech aspect of everything that we're we're, we're doing here so shout out to okay. you young ladies keep helping us and keeping us in line and keeping us uh keeping us going on that front you know Absolutely. all, all right, right so, let's get into these let's get into these books yes sir all right so uh first topic on the agenda uh for those aren't, aren't aware you know earlier in the week um you know dr seuss um is having six of his books um pulled off the shelves due to um the material and containing it is uh, insensitive too, and it has a lot of different racist and um, insensitive uh, images, um, insensitive to the Asians, insensitive to African Americans. So, um, so yeah, so they made the decision to pull those six books um, off the shelves, and uh, wanted to get your thoughts and um, on that issue. What, what what are your thoughts about that, Doctor Jeff? Um- well, again, I mean, listen, this may not be a popular opinion, but, well, I think it was the right thing to do, okay? Um, first of all, I mean, we're trying to create a more inclusive America, right? And that's part of it. Um, you have a daughter. I don't have any children yet, you know, but we have to think about who are going to be the consumers of these books, right? Um, so I think it was the right thing to do. Second, we got to recognize how big of a corporation this is. And they issued an apology, you know, and they specifically stated that the books portrayed the the portrayals of people were harmful, you know, and wrong. Mm -hmm. So if we think about how large this corporation is, how much money they've generated over the years, they acknowledge that they were wrong. So for us to be debating back and forth, you know, whether or not it's cancel culture or not cancel culture, whether it's right or not right, I think is absurd. The second point that I'll make very quickly is that this is not cancel culture, right? This is the example of it not being cancel culture. This is an example of a pattern, you know, of racist images um, and stereotypes being portrayed in books, multiple books. And and I will I will I will I will tell you that cancel culture is saying something that might be off color, offhand, you know, and it's one time and you get canceled for it, right? right? This is a pattern. Right. Um, And one thing that I will note is that these books were published between 1937 and 1976. Okay, 1976. So what conversation are we having? This is after this. This is after the civil rights movement, bro. Mm -hmm. After the civil rights movement, these books were still coming out. So to to really have individuals, you know, really. Uh, champion and arguing aside, you know, they're arguing for their for nostalgia, right? And they're arguing for their their privilege, right? They're arguing because in their mind, they remember reading Cat in a Hat and it was a good book. And I understand that, but it's it's much easier, you know, to um say something is okay, you know, and say, yeah, it's just a part of history and everybody should get over it if it doesn't impact you. Right. So for me, when I think of these books, I think of Confederate flags, right? There are plenty of people who will tell you the Confederate flag is fine, right? But they don't feel terrorized when they're walking underneath it. I do. You understand? So if it affects you, it's different. If I had a child who was a young black male, young black girl, young, you know, I don't want them reading images that portray them as monkeys, right? That portray their full features, their full lips, their full noses, Mm -hmm. you know, as negative in terms of a beauty standard. So I know that's a lot. But I'm going to be very honest, like, you know, um, of course, we're, we're not speaking literally, but I'm I, I'm cocked and loaded when it comes to this conversation, because it's absurd to me, you know, that once these things are put are pointed out and brought to the mainstream, you know, um, it, there shouldn't there, there really shouldn't shouldn't be such a such an argument, um, at least my my humble opinion. But what do you think? No, I totally agree. It's um the folks that are still arguing against this again are in the majority. So it's not affecting them. Right. And it's been like that for quite some time. Right. So, you know, we're talking about one, it's not cancel culture, like you said, right. 
the it's more of a recall. This is a product recall. All right, because it's a situation. <laughs> okay. Right. right <laughs> because right, right. they have more than 60 books, right? More than 60 books that have gone into publication, like you said, from 1936 till now. So we're talking right. over 60 books. We're talking six books that are being recalled and that could be redistributed if they just adjust those features. All right. So right. you're not canceling anything like this. They've made like over $700 million globally, like over their period of time. And for me, when we're talking about, OK, people that aren't offended with this, I'm thinking more it's a situation where at the root of it, it brings up an uncomfortable conversation about racism. Right. right. This is where it's like, oh, well, we should leave the mad. And no, no, we're not going to continue with the status quo because it makes you uncomfortable. Like, how do you explain this? And yeah, this was done at a period of time where the majority ruled. And you know what? We're just going to put these different images out here. And, you know, there's not going to be any type of recourse. There's not any type of fallback because, yeah, because those that were being oppressed or marginalized. Right. We didn't have that voice. Right. It's not like it just became offensive. It's been offensive. This is (laughs) what this is the problem. Right, bro. And and we'll, we'll get right back to this, but it goes along the same lines. Have you ever looked up racist Disney characters? Oh, all day. Yeah. And and Looney Tunes. Oh, right. And and you look at these are the characters that were in publication. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Like these, these were images that several people sat around the room and thought it was not only okay, right? But th- we're going to market this, right? This is funny. This is what we're going to market to our children. So the only way, reason why that's possible is because the people who they were offending and oppressing did not have power and weren't in that room, right? Or the one guy that's in that room knows that if, if you know, if, if he dies on that hill, that'll be the last fight he has, right? So we're, we're in a situation where there's a power differential. Um, but I think what you said is very important, right? Because it didn't just become offensive, right? It, it, go, it goes back to the same Confederate flag kind of conversation. A lot of people would like us to believe, you know, that us as African-Americans just woke up one day, you know, and now we're all of a sudden we're, we're offended by the flag. Right. We've always been 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 offended. Right. But when you have the momentum to change something, that's when that's when it has to get done. You, you know, um, but again, I, I think it comes down to power, right, a, a power differential. And what we're seeing now is that technology has shifted the power differential. Right. Because technology has given the power back to the masses in a lot of certain situations, right? So if the CEO of Goya Foods aligns with a politician that certain people don't like, you know, they can start a hashtag, start boycotting certain products. And guess what? They're going to get a statement. They're going to get a change. The behavior, not saying that the ideology of the person will change, but the behavior will change. Right. And as people, that's all we can ask for. I don't care if Dr. Seuss was racist. I don't care. Right. I just don't want those racist images in the book. Right. He can be racist in his house the same way Walt Disney is well documented with some of his beliefs. Were, right. As <laughs> yeah. long as he keep it in his house. I don't care. You understand? I just want my child to be able to go to Disney World without being terrorized. Right. Or without feeling that their natural features aren't as beautiful as someone else's, right? So I think that that's that that that's the problem, right? Like 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 you said, we're looking for the product to change, right? And as long as they do that, I'm good with it. As long as right. they do that. And that's the thing, right? At the end of the day, these are children's books. And I think also with what gets lost in you know, well, oh, it's been like this. We should keep it as it's nostalgia, so on and so forth. We're also forgetting the important pieces that children are reading these books. And you know, and I know mm-hmm. that children are able to understand way more than they're able to articulate. Right. So just because right. they can't say something's wrong or something's off doesn't mean that they're not, you know, looking at something that's not making sense or that's confusing to them. Right. So if you if we're inflicting like these racist images, you know, on them before they can actually express and articulate that there's an issue like we're inflicting harm on them right we're inflicting yeah. harm that they're not even able to process they're already seeing this from a very early age and they're not able to process it so this is the problem like you were saying like don't put it in the book 
right? Don't put it in a place where, like you said, either my kid or your niece or anyone else that's coming up that's watching or is going to read it and it's going to be like, well, what's it? Is this what blacks are supposed to look like? Is this what Asian people are supposed to look like? Like, is this right? Like, no, nah, it's, 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 you know what I mean? It's going to be, we're inflicting a lot of harm on that. So, absolutely. It's like, there were a lot of things that were one way in the past and we realized it's harmful, right? Hell, I mean, cars didn't even have seatbelts back in the day. But eventually we realized that, you know what? Yeah, this vehicle is going to be safer if we make these adjustments and we have to enforce some type of safety feature, right? Removing these particular books is a way for us to be like, you know what? We have, this is harmful to kids that are coming forward, right? And We have to make these changes. The last thing I'll add on to that is I'll take it a step further. Like, uh, I think, again, when it comes to these images, whether it's racist Disney characters, you know, whether it's Dr. Seuss, whatever these images are, like, they need to be rooted out, right, and removed. Because what we're doing, see, nobody else has to care, but I'm going to care, right? Because we, we meet with these little, little black and brown children every day. And see, the problem is when they're consuming this material, we're priming them to hate themselves. We're priming them to hate themselves. Mm-hmm. Have you seen some of those images? Oh, man. Of the people with the big red lips. And the... listen, it's absurd that we would even be having this conversation, right? There's a reason why they, they, they took Uncle Ben and H. Jemima off the, off the pancake box, right? Mm-hmm. Because Mammy is an offensive image. Now, I'm sure there's a lot of people out here who can't understand that because they're wrapped in their privilege and they're wrapped up in a nostalgia of enjoying their pancakes, right? With, with ancient mama standing at, at, staring at them. Right. But um, for those of us who've had family members, who've had to work in those type of positions, right. Who, who, those of us who, who have roots in the deep South, we don't really find that funny. It's offensive. It's always been offensive. Always been offensive. Right. So, and, and the, the bigger point that I'm making is that, when we're inundated with these images, you know, we wonder why at 12, 13, 14, the beauty standard is, is different for us, right? We can't look at our brown skin and love it, right? We can't look at our full lips, our full noses and love it. Mm-hmm. Why? We're being primed from when we're children to hate ourselves, you know? Um, so you have to essentially wrap yourself in media images that promote you know, black love, you know, and beauty and those, those type of things to be insulated by that, right? Or you're going to have to have parents that are telling you the opposite every day, you know? Um, so that's kind of the last thing I'll add, because to be very honest, I think I thought it was an absurd argument from the beginning. You know? Yeah, t- <laughs> totally. And then you know what? And my last thing is that I don't care what prompted it. Now, of course, there's a, oh, the, the financial aspect of it, because remember, this, the guy, I think he died in the actual illustrator and and author of these books died in like the early 90s and so like you said they're now just be like oh we got to pull these off the shelf so i'm sure it came up somewhere and some group or somebody like you said is sitting in that room and like hey like oh yeah this is offensive and you like you said if it affects your bottom line you're going to have a lot of companies reflecting back or going to say hey we got to get this off the shelf x y and z so you know i'm sure there's definitely the financial aspect but guess what i don't care as long as you're removing this offensive material off the shelf so it can either be recalled redone whatever the situation so it's no longer doing harm i'm all for it right and so it's not again it's not being canceled no it's being recalled so this state can get readjusted and redone and whatever else term or whatever needs to be be done to it so um i'm, I'm all for that um i mean we're but, we're just entering in another t- a different time right there, there's going to be a lot of uncomfortable situations like this Remember in the article they said in 2017, Melania Trump tried to give some library like 10 or 20 Dr. Seuss books. Mm. They rejected them and wrote her a letter saying the same thing. Right. It is offensive, right? Right. So again, you know, did did you hear about that at the time? <laughs> I know I didn't. No, you, you, you understand? Yeah, you're right. Well, my, my my point is it's not necessarily a new thing, it's a new story, you know. Um, and it, it got some traction this time around, um, but it's not a new thing. So, again, you know, doing the right thing is going to cost some people some money. But, you know, that's all right. Nah, they, be can all right. Af- they can afford it. Yeah, they'll be um, all right. 
So, yeah, you mentioned something else also um, and kind of which will take us into our next topic is uh, is media. Right. So, you know, we we've talked about the the part that, you know, mental health has played, whether it be music. We've talked about, you know, mental health as far as sports and something that continues, you know, to be um, mental health gets infused with is in the media, right? Whether we're talking about television, where we're talking about film or where we're just talking about just media coverage. And for me, you know, it, it it's getting better, but it's also a situation where the media and in film, where you're talking about mental health just continues to add to the stigmatization, right? It continues okay. to get, you know, I think it, it misinforms people of what mental health looks like. So, you know, for an example, for me, when, you know, you see the, the antagonist in a movie, you know, or if you see it's always a person, if they have mental health, it's like schizophrenia or it's a situation where they're violent. Right. So right, if, you right. have, if you have a mental health issue or disorder, you're violent, you're going out, either you're killing people or you're killing yourself. And so, you know, I feel like that's something, unfortunately, which adds to or reinforces the stigma. And this is where you have people just, and it just it it's it starts there. That's just one area of, of, of kind of the media, but then it also branches out into so many other different areas and exposures. And I feel like that adds to the stigma, you know, what, what are your thoughts? Um, I agree. Right. Um, I agree, but I think, I think, I think it's like an outcome we should expect. And let me, let me explain myself very briefly. If we're talking about documentaries, then I want accuracy. Mm-hmm. Right. So, we're talking about a documentary. I want accuracy. The problem when we're talking about movies is that it's entertainment. All right. And that, and, and that those people that are working there aren't necessarily clinicians. Right. And does it contribute to stigma? Hell yeah. On a big, on, on a very large level. Right. Because when you create a movie, a, a movie, it can be factual. You know, you can, you can walk away, you know, feeling inspired. You can walk away wanting to help somebody, but, the main thing they want you to do is pay that money, you know what I mean, and be entertained. That's the main thing they want you to do. So if you're doing, a, if, if, if you're you're writing a movie and one of the characters has bipolar disorder, what I'm going to expect is that the most illustrative, expressive symptoms of bipolar disorder, that's what they're going to focus on. So you better believe they're going to focus on what? Mania, right? This dude's going to be driving 100 miles an hour. He's going to be spinning 100 racks, right? He's gonna be uh, with, with a, a whole bunch of women. Yeah, he's gonna, he's gonna be, be a totally. <laughs> he's gonna be a totally different person. <laughs> right now, b- because let's be honest, the movie about the way down, the elevator down, wouldn't be as interesting. It wouldn't put as many asses in the seats. Correct. Right. So all I'm saying is, it is you're you're absolutely correct. I'm not disagreeing with you, but what I'm saying is the stigma that we see in regards to movies and mental health. That's exactly why we see it, because mental health is a very serious, real thing. And movies are not. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, um, yeah, I mean, that's what I, I got a question for you later. But I want to see, you know, just, you know, how do you, how do you feel about it? Because in the article I was reading and I'm, I'm on both sides of the fence on this one, because they were talking about, like, using the word crazy, like as an insult and how that adds to stigmatization and psychotic. And I certainly understand that. You know, you know what I mean? But I certainly understand that. But it's kind of like lay people, and I don't mean this in a disparaging way, but people who aren't clinicians are, use the word depression, right? They say, I'm depressed, right? I don't correct every person that says, oh, I'm depressed. <laughs> they say, oh, no, you're not really. Are you hopeless? Uh, did you get out of bed this morning? Did you eat? I know they, they're saying they feel sad, you know what I mean? And probably intense sadness, right? Yeah. So. When people call somebody crazy, they're really talking about like, all right, this person's acting erratic and strange. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, so I get it. I, I but I, I, I read it to the end of the article, and this clinician's writing the article. So it's like, like if we're in the hospital calling people crazy, then that's a problem. You know, you know what I mean? We're stigmatizing the patients, but. Somebody in Dunkin' Donuts, you know that if, if, if they get in an argument with you, call you crazy. I mean, just the, the you, I mean, my 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 opinion is that the understanding of that is they don't have a DSM four in front of them. They're not saying, all right, psychotic is this and that, and it's not that. It's their understanding of what it is, you know. So I look at that the same way 
you know, some people use the word depression, you know, it's right. kind of like, it, it's not in a professional conversation. So I don't really see, you know, the big deal, but that's, that's my opinion. I feel like that's also a new, a new term that we tend to use, you know, a lot in our, in our clinical work is also making its way to that mainstream area. And I'm, I'm thinking of the word trigger, right? Okay. So you see, you see and hear that or not see it, but you hear that, you know, fairly often where it's just like, oh, well, this song is triggering me, right? Oh, this song triggering me. And I, and like, I get it. You know, I used to cringe sometimes when I would hear it kind of tossed around. <laughs> you know, I, would, I would cringe when I would hear it tossed around kind of so in a, such a cavalier manner. Um, yeah. But I, I get it, right? It's like, it's not in the sense of like, you know, when we're using it and we're documenting and, and so on and so forth, you know, I know it's not being using that same extent and i know it's really like okay right. whatever a person's referring to you know, it, it's it prompted a response to me but I, that i'm seeing that that word is being used more or is being normalized right i feel like it's being used definitely more frequently like even like like uh me and trend like if we're talking or something and she'll say and like dad you know this you know that thing triggered me i know you don't like that word dad like she has to do like a whole <laughs> she has to do a whole disclaimer i'm like trade it's all right like I'm, I'm cool like you know but i feel like that's also making its way into like that same kind of depression realm and you know and like i get it like the same thing with uh when people are saying that you know i'm not breaking my up let me bring up my beck scale and be like well wh what do you mean you know right I get it. Like people are saying like, Hey, you know what? They had a bad day. They're, you know, something happened and they're not feeling in a good mood. Or like you said, something they're set, you know, I know it's not to that extent, but you are starting to, you know, at least what I'm noticing is that more of those terms are kind of being brought in. Now, if that is in a sense where it's like, okay, it's kind of taking the, the curtain down and kind of, de you know, stigmatizing things as far as like, okay, people are more open to talking about it because of the root of that word. I'm all for it. Um, but I do feel like the same way, like depression, I feel like triggers also making its way into that. And um, I mean, like, I, and I get it. Like, I, you know, it's it's funny when you look at TV shows or movies, when they have someone that's experiencing like a, um, a mental health issue, it's like the issue, of course, because it's entertainment, they have to like really make it pronounced. Right. Like you were saying. Right. So it's like if someone has it, either the mental health condition is really good for them or it's really bad. Right. right? So right. like if you're watching like if you're watching like Monk and I love Monk, I love watching that right. show, but it like his OCD makes him the greatest detective in the world. Right. <laughs> like his, you right. know, it makes him he's noticing he's he's you know all these other different intangibles come alive and he's able to solve like or, or like the uh, you know the good doctor or one of these shows. Right, right. So like their mental health issue is working so well for them. And then on the other side, on the other opposite end of the spectrum, it's either making them, like you said, really unstable. They're out there killing people and, and it's the root of all these other different things. So, I, you know, I get that entertainment value. It's just more of a thing where it gets become it's more harmful for someone that is experiencing it. And not just the diagnosis itself. I feel like right. even how they depict like um inpatient units right so for right. someone you know you and i you know have worked on inpatient i currently work there now and you know the way it's usually depicted on screen is that everyone's walking around in gowns right, right. all the sex or the the people are wearing they're wearing all white right and it's like everyone they're walking around they're drooling and you know they can't get the words together they're everyone's responding to internal stimuli or they're talking to themselves and all the other different things and that's that's the unit right that's 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 the whole psych unit and you know you're right, you're right. you know you know and i know you go on a psych unit the way i mean first of all they're regular people so they're dressed casually right they're dressed in regular garb. like sometimes you can't if 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 an employee doesn't have an ID badge on, you can't even tell the difference sometimes between the patient right. and staff because of the way people are just presenting themselves. But right. that right. adds to, unfortunately, someone that may need, you know, to be hospitalized. Like, I'm not going to the nut house. I'm not crazy. Like you said, all these other different things kind of roll. And that's what they kind of mm -hmm. get in the fiction because, you know, and I know we've had patients that was either like their first or second times being hospitalized. And they're just like, Ah, oh, it's nothing like I thought it was gonna be, right? Like it's right. Not like everything's not in all white, everything's not caged up and all other different things. So, you know, that's, no, that's a fact. like you know, where certain things 
it gets like that. It adds to it. And I think that's that's where, you know, it um, it's kind of productive to what we're you know trying to get people help. So, you know, um, I, I got a question for you kind of along the same lines since we're talking about inpatient. Right. When I was reading that article, they were talking about somebody raised the question about whether Halloween contributes to the stigma of mental health. And what they meant by that was and I started thinking about it. What they was thinking about is I mean, what they were saying was, excuse me. You ever been to like a haunted house or something? Yeah. So a lot of these haunted houses, they're like insane asylums, right? The patients are, you know, the, 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 the locks broke. Everybody's running, running around crazy. People with straight jackets, mm. all of these things. So they were saying like the culture of Halloween. And I mean, if you've seen the movies like Saw and all these other movies, a lot of them, some of them are set up like that. You know, like, you, you know, like you either get locked in this insane asylum or you get sent there and you're not supposed to be there and intimidated by all of the scary people, right? So they were saying that, you know, that kind of contributes as well. So I was just wondering how you feel about that because when I read that, I was like, well, man, I'm a little, I'm guilty too because that's one thing I used to love doing is going to a haunted house and I never thought of it like that, you know? Um, Even if that was the theme, I never thought of it like, I thought of it like, well, I'm going to have a, you know, a, a fun time, see if I get scared, you know? But I never thought of it like, you know, this might be disparaging or stigmatizing to individuals, you know, that I work with in another capacity, you know. Um, now I'm going to be thinking about it. Um, but what do you think? You think it's BS or what? No, I think it, it does add to it. Um, and here in Philly, we have like in Philadelphia and then like on some of the outskirts, like Halloween, like some of the old closed down asylums are like they turned mm-hmm. into haunted houses. Like so. uh, I, I, I know. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I do. Um, because I still think there's a certain population of people when you think of asylum, that's what they think of. Right. OK. They automatically revert back to that. Like I'll still hear some patients sometimes or even some old even co-workers right older co-workers will be like oh well when something happens on the unit it's like oh the inmates are running the asylum right because they still think when you think of asylum you think of crazy people you think of people that have been you know you're inpatient and they don't distinguish like okay well all right well we have like these more modern psych units or any no they automatically kind of think inpatient they think asylum so yeah absolutely i think um I believe it do it does reinforce or kind of add to that stereotype um, for maybe for some general people that are, are kind of able to put two and two together of what an asylum used to be or what, you know, kind of the history of the word. Um, I Maybe not so much younger folks that aren't really familiar with it. But um, yeah, I mean, even when I went into one, this is probably a few years ago. Um, yeah, I, I was definitely like in between like the when people were popping out, I'm looking at it like, oh wow, this is what they used to look like, huh? Wow, this is kind of crazy. Like, <laughs> you know, yeah, like I'm definitely. I'm looking at it like ah, like and then I'm thinking like I'm like dreading like the, the conditions that some of these patients were into when it was an asylum, like ah, it's rough. But um yeah, yeah I would I would Some say that aspect, that rough. aspect of it, I don't know um if overall Halloween, but definitely when you do have you know, the, the scary aspect or the frightening. Yeah, absolutely. Especially to someone, if you just visited an asylum on some, you know, the, the Halloween aspect of things, and then, you know, God forbid you, you get hospitalized, that's probably going to make its way to the forefront of your mind when you're having some of these thoughts and all these different things are running in there. So, yeah, I think it plays a part. Okay. okay. Yeah. So, you know, something else, right? I, I don't know if you've ever noticed this, is that... um. I've always kind of, especially since we, we got into this field, like as, as we were going through like our practicums and even in our master's program, like as we became therapists, like on TV and film, how they depict like the clinicians or the therapists. Right. And it, it's it is just like, it's terrible. It, it is, man. Like they make it so unethical. Like, I, I, listen, they be dating patients, doing yeah. all kinds of, making jails with patients. All kind, I mean, listen, it's crazy, but it goes, it's, it's the same thing that they do you know, with, um, you know, the mental health disorders, right? Like, think about The Sopranos. Think about Dr. Melfi. Right. Know, all the all stuff she was doing. Like, I mean, come on. It's, you know, but it's a show. You know what I mean? So, you know, I can dig it because it's a show. But, you know, it's, it's just a thing where you do still have some people that that's what they think therapy looks like, right? Oh, yeah. They still think yeah. it's, you know... 
you're laying on the couch and you know you're just getting asked in the question how do you feel about that how does that make you feel <laughs> right that like that's the only thing we got in our arsenal right it's just like that's that's the only thing we're gonna, we're gonna ask you about your childhood too don't forget about that we're gonna ask you you know I mean, we're gonna get listen, Freudian on you I can't tell you how many people that I respect that don't really ask me like yo can you read my mind like really ask me that can you read my mind and I'm oh, like yo, if I could if I could, I'd be in Atlantic City getting a bag. I wouldn't be doing this. Right. Respectfully. And I love my patients, but I, I would be in Atlantic City in Vegas getting a bag. Um, you want to get ready to get into this last article? Yeah, last man. Article? So, uh, absolutely. So, switching it off to um, from media, uh, something that just came up, something that's really popular in our culture, um, even not just, you know, nationally, but globally. Now, uh, we're going to take a, a trip across the pond. And uh, recently, <laughs> we came out with an interview with uh, Meghan Markle and um, what's it? Prince Harry, right? That's his name? Yep. yep. All right. So we're uh, Meghan yep. Markle and Prince Harry. And uh, they had a, an, an interview with Oprah. And uh, so they detailed a lot came out during this interview. Um, and in the, in the midst of this interview, um, Megan Markle talks about, you know, her experiences um, with suicide, right? Or having contemplating suicide just kind of due to everything that was going on, a list of things. And um, yeah, I caught this. I caught some of the highlights. I didn't see all of the interview, but I caught some of the highlights before I left off for work um, this morning. And uh, yeah, it was it was one. It was a lot to unpack um, just from what, you know, the segments that I was shown and um really disheartening you know just kind of the response and you know of her journey dealing with the mental health aspect of it uh what were your thoughts and takeaways from it? Uh, i mean listen i i didn't even know what i was hearing at times right because to to come from somebody of that stature i mean she's she was saying she had clear consistent suicidal ideation right mm-hmm. um i think the most troubling although i wasn't Put it like this, like I was shocked and I was offended, but I wasn't surprised by when she said, you know, she was dismissed and they got a lack of sympathy from the royal family. Right. Because um, if we talk about like brand and business, right, Pepsi is worried about their image. Right. They, they are nothing compared to the royal family <laughs> in terms of not in terms of what I think, but in terms of we're talking about on the grand scale. Right. Mm-hmm. In terms of image. Um, so if Pepsi cares about their image, you could think what the queen thinks, right? So anything that's going to kind of portray them as either weak or not having it all together, you know, um, I, I can see them trying to contain and manage, right? Now, the strange part is that, well, I'll get to that later, but, um, and I think it just goes back to one what we were talking about last episode. When we were talking about how you know financial wealth does not equal wellness, mental health, wellness, right? People right. just have to understand that money does not insulate you. It provides you with a bunch of resources, you know, um, but it does not insulate you. And that it, sometimes it makes the fall a lot greater, you know, um, because you can avoid treatment for so much longer because you got the resources. Um, but I just think it's very important. I got you know got to give her credit because I mean again, every thirty seconds somebody dies from suicide. Almost a million people are dying each year. Um, so for her to kind of bring awareness and and honestly tell it like it is and say, listen, the royal family didn't even support us, you know. Um, so so what to me what she's saying to millions of people is so don't don't be you know discouraged if your family doesn't support you if your spouse doesn't support you if your work doesn't support you go get go get the help that you need you know um so again i i think it was a good article but i was kind of surprised that i was hearing it right because i didn't expect to hear it from them you know mm-hmm. um i mean what, what, what's, what, what was most interesting to you about it well, one, I guess it started to kind of make sense because you saw i mean i i, I don't keep up with them as much but i knew that they were breaking away or at least they have started the process of kind of breaking away from the royal family and so you know i know that that's pretty much unheard of right for anyone to like hey you know we're going to separate ourselves we're going to do our own thing we're going to relinquish whatever titles and um, you know things of that nature so for me i believe that was a red flag 
Right. And I'm sure that was something that they didn't like, because, again, it's making them look, you know, like uh, vulnerable and and all these other different right. things that are going to get thrown. Um, like you said, it definitely highlights that one, you know, mental health doesn't discriminate. Right. doesn't matter how old you are. doesn't matter how wealthy you are. doesn't matter uh, male, female. It doesn't discriminate. So it definitely um, that came up for me. And then also, um, like you said, it she highlighted and really personified what a lot of people are afraid of uh, when it comes to talking to someone and trying to reach out for help, which was you're fearful of one. How is this going to be received? Right. If I come out and I say like, Hey, I'm thinking about harming myself or I've been having these thoughts of killing myself. Like one of the concerns, at least from what I've learned from patients and clients is that they're fearful of like, what's going to be the response. You know, am I going to, you know, get that sympathy or empathy or or support from people or are you going to am I going to get judged? Right. Because what happens if you come out and then you don't get that support? What do you do then? And and it's unfortunate, like you said, that she, you know, per her per, per, her perspective and what she said, that she didn't get any support. They were just like, mm, yeah, no. Um, and this is in addition to they've talked about mental health. I think the brother has gotten counseling. And so it, it's, you know, it's unfortunate, not surprising. Uh, I feel like she definitely personified what, you know, a lot of people are fearful of when they when they do it. And then also really quick um the guilt right she mentioned how uh, even though she was experiencing these thoughts and feelings that she didn't want to come forward or she was kind of resistant in telling her own husband because of the situation with his mother right with princess diana and how you know she passed away so she's thinking like well do i bring this to him knowing that like he's experienced death and you know like so she's experienced guilt and she's still kind of thinking compassionately about her about him when she's you know dealing with so much of herself and then it's like also you know she's putting that to the side and a lot how many people do we know or how many patients have we dealt with that have said yeah i've been feeling this way for a long time but i gotta take care of mom i gotta i'm taking care of my my family i'm still working or i I am mom i'm keeping the house together i'm dad i gotta pay these bills so they're putting their feelings and their experiences on the back burner and still going forward with it so you know those were two things that that uh that 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 stepped out for me i kind of again you know just kind of thinking about this interview it made me kind of go back to again the pedestal we put individuals that are I don't want to say entertainment because they're not necessarily entertainers, but people who are famous, right? Um, and more than famous, these these people are more than more than famous, but right. they definitely fit in the category of individuals that are put up on a pedestal, right? Um, and what we are the assumptions we automatically make about them, right? That they have their lives together, they're emotionally stable, their family is supportive, you know, and they live this fairy tale life, right? When the only thing we really know about them is one thing that they are financially stable. That is it. And half the time, we think we know that until somebody, an entertainer, rapper, singer, mogul, whoever files for bankruptcy. (laughs) You know what I mean? Um, So again, it just kind of brought me back to like our perception, right? I mean, and just on a much smaller level, I'm sure you have patients, kids, you know, they, they ask you some questions. They think Dr. Kyle don't have no problems. You, you know what I mean? With the yeah. way some of their questions would be phrased, right? Um, and of course, it comes from the position you're in. Um, but again, it's a matter of perception. Like a lot of times, you know, individuals don't don't kind of look at people, um, especially the people that they kind of look up to as having problems, you know? And, and the fact of the matter is, you know, they do. Um, and each individual story is is exactly that it's an individual story (laughs) you know what i mean um and i think people fail to realize that right because even if i start at a at a level that is quote unquote higher than you 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 know what i mean there's still going to be obstacles at that level you know um and for that individual all they're going to know is the obstacles they have on that level you know um so, so somebody who who's up higher can say, "Listen, you you, you don't have it as bad because you're not a, you're not up here." And somebody who's who's trying to get to that level can say, "Listen, you don't know what it's like down here." 
but it goes back to what I said before. Each individual story is exactly what that is. It's an individual story. And we got to look at it like that. You know, we got to look at each individual person has their own, you know, experience. Um, and again, how many, and I don't want to just generalize, but if, how many people do you think, if, if you sent out a survey and was like, would you like to be the Duchess of Sussex? Would you like to switch wherever you're at now and be the Duchess of Sussex? You would probably have hundreds of thousands of people that would, would take, would want to be in her position. Yeah, totally. Do they understand the pressures that come along with that position? No. You know what I mean? Um, as we don't expect them to. But I just think, again, it's but now if you were to talk to people who are in royal life and ask them, you know, would you rather be a member of the family or do you want to be the Duchess of Sussex? They might have a different answer for you. They might tell you, hell no, I don't want to be in that spotlight. I want to be around, but I don't want to be in that spotlight because they have a better idea of the pressures that go along with that. So it just, again, it just brings me back to, you know, the dissonance between our perception of individuals, reality, and what their lives are really like, you know? Mm -hmm. And even what she explained as I was like kind of listening to, you know, her, um, the interview, even though she's, you know, the Duchess of, you know, Sussex or, or whatever the, the area is over there, she what she was explaining of her experiences personified a lot of what we're going through. Right. A lot of what our people are going through. Right. She mentioned the family dynamics. Right. So she mentioned going into a whole different family and having to get accustomed to their culture, their rules, their their you know establishment. And then the race aspect of it, right? So I don't know if you heard that part where they're just like, they're making comments to her about, oh, well, we're not sure about the baby's skin. We're not sure, you know, it's going to be too dark. Oh, yeah, bro. You got, listen, you got to, yes, it, it gets like, so when you, when you listen to more of what she was saying that she was experiencing, like, no, and you're looking at it from an empathic lens, you're like, oh, I can see like there, of course, there's no one cause of depression or your suicidal thoughts, but you're like, you're, you, you start to see, okay, I can see how all of this is building up and what she's got going on. Yeah. So she's already getting, you know, the concerns about the family. Right. So it doesn't sound like she was seeing eye to eye with the family, you know, originally or kind of going into the thing because, you know, she's coming from this, um, you know, acting in Hollywood kind of background. And then as you know, they're, comments that she said she was experiencing from the family she didn't name who but she's saying some pretty prominent figures in the family about her baby the skin tone right so now you got the racial element and the aspect of things mm-hmm. and then the media right so whatever she's doing and that we've talked about whether you're an athlete whether you're a singer whether you're your whatever public figure like whatever you're doing is going to get highlighted in the media mm-hmm. right? so now your right. privacy is pretty much gone so and it wasn't like she was foreign to that, but I'm. it's probably even tenfold now that she's with the royal family. So as you're looking at all of these different things. Yeah, absolutely. Like her mental wellness, I mean, was already like you You can just imagine how it, it got to that point. Right. So that's why when I heard those different parts of the, the interview, especially with the family dynamics and then the racial things that she's getting subjected to. And if she I don't know who came over with her, like as far as her family, but I think she has some other issues or drama kind of going on with her own family. So imagine you oh, being over there right, by right, yourself, right. lack of support. Right. And you got this whole family like this. It's heavy. So, yeah, like yeah, that's a lot. Yeah. So like, listen, I definitely um, if you get an opportunity, man, like to listen to more excerpts or, or the interview. Yeah, she yeah. It, it was really heavy and it's really unfortunate what she had to go through. And it seems like she was unfortunately outside of her husband and her own family that she's created. It seems like she was really just kind of taking everything in on her own. So, um, yeah, it, it, it's a, it's a lot of layers. It seems like that she was it's, it's, to the story. It's funny that you bring up the, the family support because if I don't, if I recall correctly, I think she was going through something with her father like a year or two ago where he was like selling pictures of mm-hmm. uh, some, of them or something because mm-hmm. he didn't get invited to the way. I don't know. I don't follow this stuff, but just it's, it's been on the news, you know, um, here and there. So, again, it, it's definitely an interesting story. Um, but, it, it, you know, it's um, it's, just, it's just amazing. Right. Every every day. This is one week. You know, we got mental health in the news every day, you know. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, you know, I hope with, 
you know, her coming out, one, she's able to get the help um, and treatment that she needs, you know, um, hopefully also her being as courageous um, to come out and share her story that that also prompts other individuals. Like you said, you know what, if the Duchess is able to talk about this and she, you know, hopefully that'll prompt and more people will follow because like you said, every 30 seconds, man, like that's a, that's a staggering stat, but it's a real stat, right? It's happening. Like as we're speaking, this is someone, unfortunately, you know, is committing the act of suicide. So I'm hoping that, you know, her, her coming out, you know, promotes or prompts other people to come out and that she gets to the treatment that, you know, that she needs. And, you know, it's an ongoing conversation, man. Like this is, and this is why we're here. This is why we have this platform to continue to educate, uh, to continue to promote the wellness um, because it's needed. So, um, I'm, you know, that's, you know, definitely wish her the best as she goes forward. I mean, I, I agree, man. And I, I'll just end with this, you know, um, I say it all the time, but I end with this, like, um, you know, like we take care of our car, we take care of our house, you know, we take care of our, our, our medical issues, um, but what we don't take care of is, is mental health, you know? Um, so again, it's important that we address these issues when they come up and not sweep them under the rug um, because you need to take care of your mental health as least as well, at least as well as you take care of your car, right? Most people I know have that little oil change sticker right up in the corner. You know, uh, Jiffy Lou leaves it for you, right? Because they remind you every 3,000 miles, I want to see you, right? Um, And again, you got to treat your mental health the same way. So if your body is giving you a sign or emotionally, physically, you know, that you need some support, some assistance, uh, intervention, then you need to go get it now. You can't wait until tomorrow. You need to go get it now. If you're a single parent and you, and, and you say, I'm going to put it off because I got to take care of my kid, you know, God willing, if, I mean, God forbid, if you experience a crisis, you know, then you can't do that, right? So you got to take care of your mental health the same way you take care of your physical health, your house, your car, and everything else. And I'm going to leave it at that. Absolutely, man. Like you said, like, don't wait for that. That indicator light's going to come on. It's letting you know that you're running low on that oil. So don't wait for the car to break down, right? Don't wait for your mental health. Don't wait for that break. For Don't wait for it to break down. Like, yeah, you're going to get that indicator light on your dashboard. So definitely at that point, when you start to notice something's wrong, you know, definitely, you know, reach out, get that help because nobody knows you better than you, right? So um, absolutely, man. So I appreciate you being here. Um, Again, guys, everybody listening, Appreciate everyone listening and watching. Again, subscribe, follow, uh, like, leave comments so we can definitely, you know, get ideas. We want to continue to talk about things that are relevant uh, to what's happening not only in the world, but what's also going on in your life, guys. So episode four, the Black Psychologist podcast. We're here. We're signing off. We appreciate the love and support of everybody being here. All right, sir. Talk Later. To you. Later, man. Later.